So on today's episode of Observing Fullerton, we have Donna Moraz with us. Donna is the director of the Domestic Abuse Initiative at OC United, which is a nonprofit in Orange County. She works with women who come out of domestic abuse, whether it be emotional, physical, or sexual, through her support groups. This is our third interview with a team member of OC United. Their work is so impactful in the community that it would be a shame not to cover it, which is why we keep requesting their staff to come and speak to us, and we are very grateful to hear yes every single time. So Donna, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you. So let's get right into the questions. So you have been through domestic abuse yourself. How would you describe that experience given the hindsight you have now being a community leader and an advocate? Uh, when I was a child, I didn't feel safe in my home mm-hmm. because of the domestic abuse that was going on. And um, as a child in domestic abuse, it's one of the worst forms of child abuse. They've, they've done studies on that now. And so the safety and the emotional disconnect that you grow up with is really, really rough. Mm-hmm. And then I went on to marry someone who was abusive. and. Um, I think the biggest thing is lack of safety. Mm-hmm. Not feeling safe in the world is a really hard place to be. And so it's it's kind of gotten me, it's why I do what I do. Mm-hmm. It's why I do what I do because of my experience. Right. So in hindsight, has that experience helped you become the advocate yes. and the leader you are today? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So what patterns or changes have you seen in domestic abuse over the course of the pandemic because you know that this remote online world has been difficult for everyone but I'm assuming for people who are now who were stuck in their homes probably still are some of them with the abusers right how do you even adapt to something like that the only way we could meet was on Zoom. Mm-hmm. And some of them couldn't meet on Zoom because of being in the same house. Yeah. But a lot of them would go out in their car or something like that and do it on their phone and be on Zoom. Okay. So it, they made it work. And um, for us, uh, there was good things about it because right. there's now people that are out of state that are able to come into the support groups. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, some of the women can't come and so now we have two groups, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. One on Monday night and one on Tuesday night is Zoom. Right, so now you have an in-person and a Zoom. Right. I'm so glad that there was a silver, line, silver lining to this, actually. Yeah, yeah, I think I'd rather have learned through experience because it gives you more empathy right. towards um, victims of domestic abuse. And there's men that are victims of domestic abuse, too. I work with women, but there are men who are also victims of domestic abuse. Yeah, and I think that's one of the the topics that we tend to kind of ignore when it comes to domestic right. abuse because when they're supposed to be the strong and the masculine right. in their relationship, how could they possibly get ex- you know yeah, but it abused? Happens. Yeah, and I think uh, the recent Johnny Depp trial kind that's of brought right. that to the limelight. Right, right up there. Yeah, to the limelight. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's it happens, and um, I think the isolation hmm. and the abandonment that you feel from especially from someone that you I married this person to spend my life with him Mm. and to have him betray that was just amazing my marriage ended with an axe to my throat he tried to kill me and so um, I had three kids at that time and uh, gathered them up and left with clothes on our back Um, and it was a long long process lots of stalking and 
all kinds of things like that. It was really, really hard. So I think I've experienced every aspect of domestic abuse so I can understand when someone says something to me, I just go, what are you talking about? I don't do that. I'm like, yeah, yeah that happens. And it's scary. And as someone who has been through it, I think, multiple times, I mean, one time is traumatic and exhausting as is. Um, You have been through such traumatic experiences multiple times in your life. So you were able to pull from each one of them and help people. Each one of them, it's like... And then along the way, I lost my daughter and my son. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was really hard Yeah. Um, on top of everything else. My daughter was being stalked by someone, and they ended up killing her so that happened and then um, I think it was a few years later my son was riding his bike and mm-hmm. someone didn't see him and so he was killed that was really hard because I was just getting over the stuff you know from like the marriage and then that happened it was really rough yeah it's just one thing after another and, and it really was it you know, in languages, we usually have words like widow, widower, orphan. There really is no word for a parent who loses their child. No, it's one of the hardest things there is. I, I think that there just are no words to explain it. I no. think no amount of I'm sorry for your loss can yeah, help there with that. Words. Yeah, there, there just, just aren't. Words, yeah, right? yeah. Um, but, but you have really pulled that experience and made it into something useful and resourceful for the world out there. And I think that's something incredibly courageous of you to do because many people were also just shut down, which is another kind of a reaction, right? I think when you give back, yeah, that's part of the healing process mm-hmm. is to give back. And so making something out of it, you know, doing something with the experience rather than sitting in it. Yeah. And then you clearly do a lot uh, and and one of the things the fascinating stuff that I uh, I found online was this Valentine's Day project that you organize you know uh, could you briefly what? describe what that is yeah it's um, there's this uh, professor over at Biola his name mm-hmm. is Tim Muehlhoff and um, he had me come speak to his class one time about domestic abuse tell my story is what he wanted me to do and afterwards the the youth you know, the young people actually mm-hmm. said, what can we do? There's got to be something we can do. And so I, he asked me, and I said, Valentine's Day, because it was coming up on Valentine's Day. And mm-hmm. so he organized all his kids, not all of them, but a few. Mm-hmm. And every Valentine's Day we get together, and Trader Joe's gives us roses, bouquets of roses. Mm-hmm. So we give them roses and, and have, like, just a time of sharing. We may have food. You know, and just have a time of just celebrating. And then usually he'll tell, he'll help us with some subject like trust or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it's just, it's beautiful. The women now love Valentine's Day, yeah. where before it was a very painful day. Right. So through this process and collaboration, you have made Valentine's Day effectively a good memory for them. Yes. And I, I wonder how. You know, because as you said, the students, they said they wanted to do something about right. it. I wonder how much just spreading awareness can rile people up. Well, it, I wouldn't say rile people up, encourage people up. Yeah, um, th- it has to be talked about. Right. Domestic abuse is so hidden, and it's, it's, it's like a big secret. And then um, there's people that just don't understand. They truly don't understand 
that it's not easy to leave. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, well, why don't you just leave? It's not that easy, it, especially when there's kids involved. Mm-hmm. And so I think um, having an understanding of that and having these support groups really helps the, um, the women to grow and learn. Yeah. And the growth is amazing in all of them. They right. s- stand up for themselves now. Yeah. And some of them are still in it and they're working on it. Some are going through the court system and some have been out of it for a while. Mm-hmm. So, so your supports, uh, support groups uh, support people at, at every point? At every point. A point of domestic abuse without questioning, you right. know, why no aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? And uh, if you don't mind me asking, what, what is kind of like the sizes or how many groups do you have? Do they focus on different things or just um, one? Monday and Tuesdays, are we're going through a book called Boundaries. Mm-hmm. It's a wonderful book. And learning how to set boundaries, because that's how you regain your safety, mm-hmm. um, is that you set boundaries, and then that will keep you, you do it to keep yourself safe. Right. It's not to have rules or anything like that. It's just what's safe for you. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so the Boundaries book is really good. And then there's a organization called The Sheepfold, Mm-hmm. And I go and do their do classes for them on um, Saturday nights, and we go through the different books, my All book, right. and then go through the boundaries book. And um, by the time we're through that, it's a new set of people, so we just kind of start again. Yeah. Um. So the Sheepfold is an organization I work with too, mm-hmm. and they're a wonderful organization. Shelter the women and the kids, and take them through the second step and on through from there. Mm-hmm. So would you mind explaining a little bit more of what your book is about? My book is really basic, mm-hmm. and it's it's good. It's, it's, <laughs> it's short, but good. Um, it's how did you get there, how do you get out, and how do you stay free? Mm-hmm. That's kind of, you broke it up into pieces. And it just talks about um, the cycle, you know, so that you can understand the cycle, why it happens, mm-hmm. um, how do you get out. And how do you stay free? And the red flags. Yeah. Because there's a lot of red flags in that you could see in the beginning if you knew. Right. And, and you said basic, but I think that's sometimes all you need because people aren't even aware. Right. Or maybe they're aware subconsciously, but they don't want to acknowledge the exactly. fact. Yeah. So that's great. And, and you have been in this mm-hmm. line of work for a really long time. Before uh, working with OC United, uh, you established a nonprofit, Grapevine, uh, when you were working as a hairdresser. Right. That was in Fullerton. So right. what is the story behind that? Um, I was doing hair, was a hairdresser, and um, I had like a front area where people would wait, you know, and so I set up tables out there, and kind of almost like a little coffee shop. Mm-hmm. And um, I started, I got in touch with WTLC mm-hmm. and started doing hair for the women so they could go to court and that their hair would be nice and stuff. So I just started donating my time. Then, Crittenton Family Services, um, the girls would always have this prom night, you know, so they'd all come in and get their hair done, and it was so fun. Yeah. And But it started to be that I was doing more um, more work for free right. than I was for, you know, making money. And people wanted to donate and stuff, so that's why I turned it into a nonprofit because... Right. And then there's um, a neighborhood behind where OC United is and those kids used to come over they were uh, there was a lot of gang activity mm-hmm. and the especially the guys they would come over and wrap gifts for the moms for Christmas mm-hmm. and it was funny because they would set up the table and you know their language would be like fool that's not how it goes 
<laughs> you know, as they're wrapping these gifts, you know. <laughs> and so it was really neat, a good thing for the kids from the neighborhood. And then sometimes the kids from the uh, the the kids club that's down the street uh-huh. from us. Anyways, they would come in too. So yeah. Oh, what a, what a great project. It was so fun. Yeah. It was so fun. I think hair is such an important part of who a person is and to have that all done and looking good makes you feel completely different and and good. Yeah, and sometimes they'd have to have a complete change because of their situation. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm very appreciative of your efforts you know, all these years. So, so you do work with domestic violence survivors, you know, women, teens, kids. This must remind you of your own trauma. In, in many ways, it is a traumatic experience that allows you to work in this field. So do you find that doing this work heals you personally? Yes. There's yeah. a lot of healing personally, and, and I'm also uh, in counseling. I still go um, uh-huh. to take care of myself. I, uh-huh. I think it's really important that we take care of ourselves. If we're going to do this kind of work, mm-hmm. you have to take care of yourself mm-hmm. because otherwise it will overwhelm you. Mm-hmm. And I can, I've learned to put the distance, um, maybe not distance, but I've learned to make it not, all I can do is offer a support group and offer some ways to change. And other than that, I can't fix it for them. Right. Right. That's something that they have to work on it yes. themselves. And it's an individual journey. And it's, as we were discussing earlier, it's variable right. across people. So. Right. You've also found kind of this home, this, this peace, this healing through religion. And I wanted to ask you a little bit about that because, you know, the work that you do and everything that you do, is, it's heavy work. It's, it's work right. that requires a lot of emotional, a lot of emotion on you. Right. It's a lot of, uh, I honestly, I don't, I'm running out of words here to explain everything that you've been through, but, but you've really taken religion on as, as something yes. that can help you heal. So could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, actually in the Bible it says that pure and undefiled religion is to take care of the orphans and widows in their need. It's that simple. Yeah. You know? And so um, I'm following that. And then um, when I was young, I was, I was in a Catholic church. My parents mm-hmm. took me. And I remember watching the Stations of the Cross. It tells Jesus' path on what he did for us when he died on the cross. And as a child, it used to bring tears to my eyes because I think the reason it was so rooted is because living in domestic abuse as a child, I felt like someone cared about me, like God cares about me. Mm -hmm. And so that love helped to get me through all of this Mm -hmm. because otherwise I didn't have that. Uh I didn't have the safety, all the things and then when I found out that what he did, I believed that, and I believed that he would help me. Yeah. So it's a big part of my journey. Yeah, religion just overall, I think, is, is, is a cons- consistent. It's consistent. Yeah, and it, it's something you can always go back to. I mean, regardless of if you believe in right. a thing or a person or exactly. some sort of higher being, you can always fall back on it. So That's it's, right. Yeah, and, and, and this question kind of uh, is an extension of that experience. But you know, you've survived, you've helped, you've healed. Who do you, who or what do you attribute this success to? Of there's so many people along the way mm-hmm. that helped me. 
Yeah. You know, um, from the people that gave up their apartment for me yeah. um, in the very beginning so that I could go there and be safe. Um, just so many people stepped in and helped me. Yeah. The journey, I didn't plan this journey. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I didn't plan to do what I'm doing today even, you know, but um, it just happened that way. And, you know, you just keep going, going forward. So I would attribute it to all the people that have helped me. And um, I still would say that my therapist has been, she's been an awesome help to me because of the trauma that I experienced and to work through that. And then other people. I have friends that are just steady. Yeah. I'm and, really fortunate. And, uh, you know, therapy, that's such, uh, you know, in the recent years, we've had a lot more recognition of it, awareness right. of it, and we were, a lot more people are going to therapy now. But I think to stay consistent, consistent. and heal yes. consistently is very important. You, as you mentioned, when you're doing work like this, you really need to take care of yourself. However, therapy also re remains as something that is expensive and kind of out of reach for a lot of people. Right. In which case, I was actually recommended by a therapist that sometimes what you need is some good, honest conversations with your own friends. Right, and, yeah. and just to be able to be open mm -hmm. and to be like um, la last night in our meeting, one of the ladies said, I feel safe here. Mm -hmm. So just listening is a huge thing, listening to one another yeah. and feeling that safety is really important. I I think that everybody should be in some kind of a group or your friends, whatever, somewhere where you can be honest. Yeah. Yeah. And and kind of just talk through things because oftentimes you have things. to say things out loud for it to materialize, for it to make right. sense even to you. And and that's where kind of my last question is coming in from is Maybe we have someone here who's listening who is currently going through some sort of domestic abuse. Right. They probably either are just coming to acknowledge it or, or they don't fully, they aren't fully aware of it. Right. What is the first step? I mean, what do you even do once you realize that something is wrong in this relationship? I'm being hurt. I'm a victim. Who do you reach out to? What do you do? I think um, a support group mm -hmm. because everything's confidential. No yeah. one, you know, what's, what's said in that room stays in that room uh -huh. and you don't go in be telling but to be with other women who are in the same you know situation one one of the ladies is going through divorce now uh -huh. she's been in the group for three years mm. and she's finally realizing it's just not gonna work and so being in a group like that there's hope mm -hmm. and and you feel a camaraderie you know yeah. like wow we're, other people have experienced this and other people have left some stay mm -hmm. whatever the there's one thing we never say in, in any of my classes is you need to. Yeah. Because we don't know what people need. Yeah. And the minute you say you need to, you've lost them. Yeah. We just journey together and, you know, like as a group. So I think being in some kind of a, a support group or fellowship something to where you can be honest. Yeah. And, and OC United does that for Orange County. So for Orange County. Tell me what would how how do people reach out to you or or OC United and get involved in this? Um, if they can go on the website. Okay. And um, my phone number is on there. Okay. And then they can get in touch with me, and then I decide whether the group is good for them or or maybe isn't a good fit, mm -hmm. you know, and direct them from there. What if someone has phone anxiety or maybe cannot make a call because you know the abuser is right there? Can they email, text? Yeah. 
They can do that too. They can do that too. Okay. They can, they can go on the website uh-huh. and email or text me. Okay. They can do that personally. too. But you're right, sometimes you don't have access to that. You mentioned this before that there weren't any support groups before you started one, so I'm so glad and appreciative that there is a group now that people can reach out to, and it's the first step among many steps that right, can be taken. Right. Bringing awareness. Yeah, bringing awareness and getting people involved that can help and that need to be helped. So right. thank you so much for being at the podcast today, Donna. It was an enlightening conversation to be have with you. Um, I'm just so thankful to not only learn this directly from you, but also to be able to spread the message. And hopefully, even if we get help one person, that's my our job done here. That's our job done. Yeah. But thank you for you know um, caring about this particular subject too. Yeah. It's it's not an easy one for a lot for a lot of people. So thank you for caring. It means a lot. Yeah, certainly not. I, I was prepping for this interview and someone mentioned to me, you know, this is going to be probably one of your most difficult interviews that you do. And I said, yeah, and I, I keep running out of words, you know, because right. I'm not sure of what to say at what time. And I think that's what most that's why most people are so afraid of discussing it because they just don't know what to say. They don't know what to say. And it's not a mean thing. Mm-hmm. They just don't know what to say. Yeah. And, and I hope this can start some sort of conversations about it. So, yeah, I think. The, yeah. the thing that I would say to that person is if you know someone that's in this situation, the best thing to say is, how can I help? Mm-hmm. Not, you need to leave, and you need to, and you need to. That doesn't work. Just, what can I do to help? Just that one question. Yep. And and let them tell you what you can do to help. Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you so much for sharing this advice and your experience with us. I hope people can get more in touch with OC United and get involved either as volunteers or Such in any other capacity. Such a great organization. Oh, my uh-huh. gosh. It's such a blessing to be there. Yeah. Oh, so there is today's interview. Uh, we can conclude that here. And again, thank you so much, Donna, for being here with us today. Thank, thank you. you.